campers, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our mystery in a moment. I want to thank all of our supporters. If you would like to continue to see us grow, please make sure you hit the subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. The best way to support us is to share our podcast with friends and family. Thank you for all of our supporters. And now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. It's time for a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder. And with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Acker Beaker Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. Most of us have probably released a balloon into the air, at least accidentally, if not on purpose. It's kind of fun watching it float ever higher into the sky, wondering where the wind might take it. When I was a kid, I would imagine it was off on some grand adventure to a far-off land that I would never see. And hey, who doesn't love a helium-filled balloon? It's the very definition of whimsy, a cherished memento of a happy childhood. So, 1.5 million balloons should be 1.5 million times the fun, right? I can see why organizers of a charitable event in Cleveland thought it would be extraordinarily breathtaking. In the end, it was a disaster maybe even a tragedy, as some still wonder today whether the balloons played a role in the death of two poor fishermen. The event I'm talking about is Balloon Fest 86, and it was held September 27, 1986, to kick off the United Way of Cleveland's annual fundraising campaign. The United Way does an amazing amount of good in all of our communities, but yeah, money doesn't grow on trees. Every year, they have a season they designate for reminding people of what they do and asking for help in doing it. In 1986, their plans for getting everyone's attention was to break the world record for the simultaneous release of helium-filled balloons. The record had been set the previous year at the 30th anniversary of Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Disney set off one million balloons on what would have been Walt Disney's 84th birthday in an event they called Skyfest. That took the record away from the 363,000 balloons that had been launched by Clemson University students in South Carolina in 1983. Well, hey, If it was good enough for Disney, it should be great for Cleveland, right? For Balloon Fest, Cleveland area children were tasked with collecting donations, selling two balloons for every $1 collected. The United Way's original goal was for 2 million balloons, but they stopped at nearly 1.5 million. The whole stunt was coordinated by a company out of Los Angeles and it took six months to prepare. They had to build an enclosure for all those balloons. And as the big day approached, they took over the southwest corner of Public Square. 
they set up a rectangular structure that was the size of a city block and three stories high to hold these balloons. All of the inflated orbs were captured beneath a single net of woven mesh material, built by the same company who made cargo nets for the space shuttle. Now, the day before the release, an army of 2,500 high school students and other volunteers slipped beneath a net and worked around the clock inflating and tying the helium-filled balloons. By Saturday morning, Public Square looked like it had been invaded by a living, breathing blob of latex. Even at that early stage, there were sacrifices being made. The plane dealer reported that students wrapped bleeding fingers with medical tape to keep on going as organizers shouted encouragement not to stop, that they were going to be known around the world for their efforts. One volunteer, 16-year-old Mandy Basil from Trinity High School in Garfield Heights, told a reporter for an anniversary story years later, it was like an assembly line, nonstop. It didn't take long to get good at it, and fast, 20 seconds a balloon. She said she was so tired and her fingers so sore from that sun-up to sundown shift, she didn't even bother to go back the next day to watch the launch. It probably goes without saying that the problem with a balloon is it has a mind of its own. Once you release it, you have no control over where it's going. Now, throw in some wind and some rain. Saturday morning, organizers learned a rainstorm was approaching. They decided they'd better get those balloons off the ground in a hurry. So at 1.50 p.m., the mesh net was pulled and the three-story bubble of balloons was released. The spheres rose up from Public Square and swirled around Terminal Tower. I've seen pictures, and it really looked like a mushroom cloud of an atomic explosion. For a while, it was an incredible display, as if downtown Cleveland were inside a snow globe filled with red, blue, yellow, and green confetti, and someone gave it a good shake. Now, helium-filled balloons will typically stay aloft for a long time, even until they are nearly deflated. But the physics involved here created something no one saw coming. The storm brought in a front of cool air, and that cool air caused the fully inflated balloons to fall back to the ground very prematurely. Burke Lakefront Airport was the first victim. It had to shut down for half an hour as thousands of balloons littered the runway. The unpredictable wind also pushed many of the balloons back into the city, wreaking havoc on roadways. At least two traffic collisions were attributed to drivers swerving to avoid the oncoming blizzard. But the thing that really turned this innocent idea into a sinister force was that at the same time the balloons were released, the Coast Guard was searching for two fishermen who had been reported missing by their families. 
38-year-old Raymond Broderick and 39-year-old Bernard Soltzer, they called him Skip, were friends and neighbors from Midvale Avenue. Friday night, they took a 16-foot aluminum boat to the lake to enjoy one of their favorite pastimes. When they didn't return home Saturday morning, the Coast Guard was called. Rescuers hadn't even gotten to the search area yet when those balloons were set loose. Through the rain of rubber, they were able to spot the fishing boat. It was anchored just west of the break wall at Edgewater Park. Two life jackets and a pair of tennis shoes were floating nearby. They theorized that the boat had capsized and later righted itself in the choppy water and that the men may have tried to swim to the break wall. Now it's possible, even probable, that Broderick and Sulzer had drowned the night before. But if they were alive, if it had been a morning mishap and they were still in the water and hoping for help, there was little chance of the search and rescue helicopter spotting their heads bobbing among a literal asteroid field of balloons that covered the surface of Lake Erie. Searchers spent two days looking for the men before calling it off on September 29. Officials said it was just impossible to see anything for the obstacles in their way. More than a week later, Broderick's body was sighted by a commercial freighter who saw it washed ashore about a quarter mile east of Edgewater Marina. A week after that, Sulzer's body was found. Now, the progeny of Balloon Fest 86 carried on their merry way for days. Canada was not pleased when they finally made their arrival in Ontario, littering the beaches on the Canadian side of Lake Erie and polluting one of their main summer attractions. The repercussions of Balloon Fest weren't immediately recognized, but in time, it came to be seen as an environmental disaster. There have been several documentaries and research papers written about it. And as a fundraiser, it was a complete fail. Gail Broderick, the wife of one of those lost fishermen, sued the United Way and the company that organized the balloon release for $3.2 million. She argued that the balloons hindered the Coast Guard's effort to find her husband. She later settled for an undisclosed amount. Organizers were also sued by a woman in Geauga County, east of Cleveland, where balloons landed in a pasture and spooked Arabian horses owned by Louise Nowakowski. The ensuing chaos cost some of the horses to be injured, and Nowakowski sued for $100,000. She also settled out of court. In the end, the event was a net loss for United Way, who said cost overruns and lawsuit payouts took away any profits they had made. Even the intent of the balloon release came to nothing. The Guinness Book of World Records did recognize the event as a world record holder in its updated 1988 edition, but the category was later removed to discourage anyone from trying again. 
The idea of littering the earth with millions of small bags of latex that are slow to degrade, clog waterways, choke animals, and linger on trees and electrical wires for years may not be the best form of celebration. As a matter of fact, it took Cleveland 35 years to get that message. It wasn't until this year that the city banned the release of more than 10 balloons at a time, noting research that said 18,000 pieces of balloons or balloon strings had been found along the shoreline in a recent two-year period. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news, clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And we'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 